When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rob style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass-stained jerseys. The good old-fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar here along with Jonathan Harrison as always and joining us. Yes, if you're watching on YouTube, that is Manny Hill's big head in the middle. What is going on, Manny? I, we always have, after big events, we always have to get you on Hot Routes. I know it's your favorite. I'm glad you could make some time amongst your busy social schedule to uh, join us. What's up, buddy? Well, for the listeners, Matthew Collar's giving me a hard time because I literally just walked back into my apartment after um, enjoying some sushi. So he, him and Jonathan both told me that they're not a fan, which is which is very disappointing because I'm a huge sushi fan. But, you know, and yes, my head is very big. I'm not going to argue food takes with people. You like what you like. It's just not really my type of thing. And uh, you know what? It's glad I'm glad that you actually were out with people rather than rewatching the 1994 season on YouTube again. So you do need <laughs> to get you out of the house yeah. <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> but uh, we've had a draft, uh, lots of different things going on in the NFL, lots still to go with the Minnesota Vikings in particular. So we're going to uh, break down a bunch of topics, including uh, one former Viking passing away and, and lots of other things going on. Let me get a broad take from you, Manny, because you and I haven't discussed it really about the Vikings draft in general. Like what, what did you think? Were you a fan? Do you wish that they took Will Levis? Like what, how did you feel about it? Well, well, you already know per, uh, per private text messages that you and I have exchanged over the last few months that I wasn't super high on Will Levis. Um, so I, I wasn't bothered at all that they, that they passed on him. I thought the Jordan Addison pick was, was really sound. I mean, you, you let go of Adam Thielen, you're going to have to fill that spot somehow. I mean, obviously Adam Thielen wasn't the same player that he was, you know, three, four years ago, but uh, you know, you're going to have to replace 70 catches and, you know, seven, 800 yards of production. And um, I think Jordan Addison's a guy that can step in right away and, you know, give you something. And we always talk about the more weapons you have, especially for a quarterback like Kirk Cousins, the more weapons, the more options you have in the passing game, the better your offense is going to be. We've seen it time and time again in the league for going on decades now. Some of the best teams have had multiple uh, really good wide receivers. So I thought I thought the draft was sound, and you know we'll see how some of the other guys go in the later in the later rounds. I think after last year, everybody was kind of like, "Ooh, is, is you know what's up with this draft class? It wasn't great, you know." <laughs> so. 
this is a chance for for Quasi to kind of redeem himself a little bit, and there's still a chance for last year's guys to to, to kind of develop. So we'll see. But I thought the Addison pick was really sound; made a lot of sense. Yeah, well, both of you guys know uh, for how many years have I been like, draft more receivers. Yes. Why are you not drafting all the receivers? And then when they actually took Jordan Addison, I was like, they did. Yeah. <laughs> they, like, they actually and they didn't. They didn't mess around by trading down and thinking, well, he'll still be there. We'll trade down to the first pick of the second round, and he'll still be there. Like they just took him. It was great. Right. There was a part of me that thought they're going to trade down and take a linebacker or something just so <laughs> my head can officially explode. But Quasi went uh, analytics GM, at least on that. Uh, Jonathan, any questions for Manny before we get into these hot routes? Sushi. I just never would have pictured Manny Hill as a sushi guy. I'm still stuck oh, yeah. on that part. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. It was, uh, it was a local establishment about uh, 10 or so-ish minutes away from where I live, so. There's no judgment. I just, I just never pictured you as a sushi man. Sorry, man. Sorry, Manny. <laughs> Manny's a complicated guy. That's the thing. He doesn't only watch old football. He's got a lot to him. <laughs> we just, we just never bothered to figure out what the other things about Manny there was. We, we watched, we watched Lynx game. We go to Lynx games together and talk about football. It's like, wait, Manny has other hobbies. <laughs> yeah, I like sushi. I watch Law and Order. I, you know. It's all. I have a very, I don't want to say eclectic, but I have a very wide range of uh, interests outside of sports. It's true. Yeah. Well, let's not focus on any of those for the next like forty-five <laughs> minutes or so. Why don't we? <laughs> why don't you stick to your strength here. Uh, so let let's let's begin on this though, Manny. I I wrote uh, an article today, and anytime I can promote other things I'm doing, I will. So. I just I wrote about whether the Vikings are closer or farther away from a championship in both the context of right now and for later. And Kevin Cole, who used to be with PFF and now works for his own thing, Unexpected Points, he included uh, a chart that showed kind of the plus minus of what's been gained and lost through the offseason. No surprise, the Vikings are on the minus side. I mean, they lost Delvin Tomlinson. You mentioned Adam Thielen. Eric Hendricks, they're replacing these guys with inexperienced players or Dean Lowry in the defensive line and some other guys that they brought in. Um, But there's also a long-term element of it as well. The quarterback position is still up in the air, but they did not extend Kirk Cousins. So in your opinion, are they closer or farther away from being a championship team from where they were last year? I kind of feel like they're about the same. You know, I I think – I say that because, you know, they they lost some players on defense. They did go and, you know, they were kind of active in free agency, getting some guys in, bringing in Marcus Davenport, uh, Byron Murphy, and, and, and you know, guys like that. Um, and I, I do think that adding Brian Flores in as defensive coordinator is almost going to make your defense better just by default because I don't think it could have gotten much worse than what it was last year under Ed Donatel. Um but then you also have to think about, okay, well, Adam Thielen is gone. You know, I like, I just said a minute ago, I like the Jordan Addison pick, but there might be some early growing pains with him. I mean, he's, he's very young. He's inexperienced. Um, you know, him and Kirk Cousins are going to have to get on uh, the same page. So there is sort of that question of, all right, how much better will the offense be? The defense should be better by default. Um but the schedule is also going to be tougher this year. So it kind of feels like 
they're about where they were last year, but I I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I, I think it feels like now that Quasi and KOC have gotten a year under their belt now with this franchise, there's a real kind of plan going forward of what they really want to do. So I think with all of that said, it, it kind of feels like they're, they haven't really moved the needle forward much, but they haven't really gone completely backwards uh, because I think there's a really sound plan in place now. So I'd say they're about the same, not better or worse. That's not that's not hot enough for hot routes, but uh, <laughs> you want to turn you want to turn this up a little hotter, Jonathan? What do you got? I don't know that I'm going to turn it up hotter because like uh, when we had Paul on a couple weeks ago, it, I, I kind of agree with Manny here and it goes back to kind of one of the last things he said and something that one of the listeners in the lightest fans only said uh, is that the Vikings have done some move. They've made some moves in the offseason to help them out, but they haven't really moved the needle at all. And I think they're about the same as last year because of what the rest of the division has done. Packers got rid of Aaron Rodgers, so they're probably going to take a step back with Jordan Love unless he's, for some reason, the third iconic quarterback in a row for Green Bay, which is highly unlikely, but said that with Aaron Rodgers too. So whatever, they have some weird magic there in Green Bay, but they'll probably take a step back. It feels like Detroit might have missed it with this with this offseason that they've had, uh, especially with that draft that they had. It just left a lot of questions, and they could have really upgraded themselves a lot better than they did in that draft. And it just feels like they they kind of fumbled the bag here with this season being kind of the best chance they have to win the NFC North in a very long time with the Vikings being shedding a lot of older players and relying on a lot of younger guys. I like that aspect of the Vikings offseason. So, and the Bears, we'll see what they do. Can Justin Field take the next step forward? They've certainly put enough pieces around him to take that step forward, but it's all up on him now. Uh, so it feels like they are in kind of the same territory they were last year just because of what the rest of the NFC North did. And I don't know how to feel, how to really feel about that because they, as you pointed out in the article, they went with the qual or the, the quantity over quality approach with defensive backs. They're just throwing a number of bodies at it and seeing what sticks. And I like that approach for the long-term for the short-term. It makes me a little iffy, but as Manny said, by default, this defense should be better because it feels like Brian Flores scheme will fit the pieces he has better than Ed Donatell's was last year. So it feels like they're in the same space. I'm sorry. I'm not going super hot route on this, but it really does feel like they are in the same space partly because of what they did, but mostly because of what the rest of the NFC North did this offseason. Mm, mildly calm routes is the <laughs> not as catchy name for the show. Sorry. Well, you know, I, I think that some of it's yet to still be determined. Um, if they get to July and get nervous and extend Kirk Cousins, then I will think they went backward. Uh, because then the pressure is still on to be a win now team. The standard is still get back to the NFC championship. And if they don't reach it, which I think this year is going to be very tough for them to get to that bar uh, or really anywhere close, as you mentioned, with the schedule being as tough as it is and the talent that they've seen go out the door, they would need a ton of young players to all click 
in order for them to suddenly become a really great contender this year. That doesn't mean they can't win the division and it can't mean, doesn't mean that the competitive rebuild can't be a real thing for them, but setting a standard any higher than that, I included in the article, great article, purpleinsider.com, really in depth. Feel free to go check it out. Um, uh, and follow me on all social media. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> I, I included in the article that they are 17th by the Super Bowl odds standard from DraftKings. So it, they don't think that the people who put money down on this do not think that they are a legitimate contender. In fact, they're only a little bit ahead of the Chicago bears by the gambling universe. I think that at least maybe some people are thinking the bears take a big step forward. That's a little too uh, rich for my blood, but the point just being that no one's really buying them as a contender this year. That's fine. But I think that it could be moved significantly in the direction of toward a super bowl because they took a step, not a huge step, but a step toward the next quarterback by not extending Kirk Cousins. And that was a significant move. Now, I know that if he leaves in free agency that, you know, it's of course going to be that big uh, dead cap hit. They're going to have to work around that for a year. But if you draft a quarterback, you're not winning the Super Bowl in the first year anyway. No one's ever done that as a rookie. So you're going to need to develop that player anyway and then have a chance to build around them. So they did place themselves in a position to do the thing that works. And by drafting Jordan Addison, they put themselves in a position to potentially do the other thing that works, which is having a great offense with tons of weapons. I mean, this is like not brought up enough that Brock Purdy, as everyone searches for the next Brock Purdy in the draft, which just I'm going to throw myself off a tall building if I hear that again. But like, why was Brock Purdy so successful? Now he got rid of the ball quick. He understood the Shanahan offense. Apparently he had some cognition score that was great. Oh, also Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle and Trent Williams. They have this amazing team. He's like a Case Keenum last year. So I think that they have really done a lot to build up an amazing set of weapons on offense that they can keep for a long time, potentially, and put the next quarterback into it. It's just that if they get cold feet and extend Kirk, then we're really going to be talking about, okay, you didn't move the needle at all. In fact, it went backwards because you did not instantly become a better team. Reaction. That was pretty hot. Yeah. One of us go up. <laughs> No, but I, I I agree on the Kirk Cousins front too, and that's the thing that's always going to be on on everybody's mind, right? Is are they going to get to a point where you know, like, if we go into twenty twenty three and Kirk has a good year and they win, you know, if they win the division at like say like ten and seven or something, and Kirk throws thirty touchdowns and he throws for four thousand yards again, and you know, are they going to be tempted to just be like, well, we're going to be picking, you know. 25th in the draft and you know we don't know if we have enough to move up to take the young quarterback let's just you know Kirk had a good year there's no real signs of him so let's just extend him again let's give him a one or two year extension don't do that don't do that please don't do that (laughs) the Viking the Vikings front office needs to stick to their guns that they kind of it set it seems like they set out their plan this year was to not extend Kirk Cousins. If they were, it was going to be a short-term extension. He didn't want that for obvious reasons. So if he's not going to accept that, don't give him another contract just because you missed out on, as Tom Pelissero reported on the Pat McAfee show today, you missed out on trading up for Bryce Young. Just don't do it. 
just stay with this plan of moving on for, it seems like moving on from Kirk cousins uh, this off season or next off season and make your route at quarterback from there. Don't, I, I think if they do that, it'll feel like the ceiling's falling and everything's falling apart around here. If, if they give, if they cave and give him another extension. Okay. What was the report? I didn't catch that. What was the report? So it, it, Tom Pelissero was on the Pat McAfee show and he said that the Vikings were trying to trade up in the early rounds or in the early first round to get Bryce young. But once they realized that he was going to be the first pick, they stay, they went away from that trading or up option and stuck with trying to get their offensive weapon, which they did in Jordan Addison. Oh, okay. Well, well, I mean, I Bryce Young has been the the number yeah, one overall pick right. for like you'd have to trade up the to whole time. first overall. How yeah. far did they think they were going to be able to trade up with yeah. the lack of ammunition that they really even had? They had five draft picks. Like, yeah, exactly. What, how far do they think they were going to move up? Well, That's... and I, I mean, it's, like I, I'm not <laughs> doubting the reporting. I'm just doubting. Like, wait a minute, is that remotely possible? Because how right. would that have even happened? Uh, as soon as Carolina traded up, they were taking Bryce Young. I think this was very obvious, and they tried to be like, I don't know, wink, wink. We could possibly no. They were taking there was, Bryce, Bryce there Young was, was being taken number one from like yeah. the end of the college football season, and there was zero chance he was going to fall like past like four like there was right. no chance. like yeah like it's just like again like i don't i don't doubt i mean tom tom bellicero's on it like everybody knows that that's so why i'm not doubting tom's reporting but i'm just looking at the vikings like what how far did you guys think you were gonna move up to take bryce young that's yeah. just yeah that's wild you will appreciate this manny that i plugged all of their picks into the jimmy johnson chart to see if they traded their whole draft ricky williams style how far it would get them up and they only got to 16 <laughs> <laughs> so trading their whole draft wouldn't have gotten them even a top yeah. 15 pick uh wow. this year so they would have had to trade three firsts and uh yeah i guess carolina would rather have their next franchise quarterback but at least i mean it's very clear though to me that the way they've handled this, and this is why I said cold feet. I mean, the way that they've handled this has just screamed they're going to be changing quarterbacks. And something I looked into, again, in the article, was uh, just about, like, the Super Bowl oh, since 2018 was as far as I, I decided to go back. But every year, and, and even 2017, had a rookie quarterback contract in Carson Wentz. He just didn't play. Um, and it was Nick Foles instead. But just even going back to 2018, every year has had at least one quarterback playing in the Super Bowl who is being paid under $10 million on the salary cap. And here's a crazy one. Jalen Hurts' salary cap hit from last year was lower than Chad Henney, the backup quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. It was lower. What kind of advantage is that? It meant that Philly could go out and trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, trade for James Bradbury, sign whoever the heck that they wanted to, trade for A.J. Brown. Like, that's the advantage. We all know that. And I think if the Vikings are taking real steps to draft their next quarterback next year, they're going to have to put together some more draft capital if they want to trade up for uh, Caleb Williams or Drake May. But if they're taking those real steps, I think they are closer. And I think that hiring Brian Flores makes them closer because I don't think he's going to get a head coaching job. I think that teams are interviewing him to be like, no, the NFL did nothing wrong regarding <laughs> Brian Flores. We yeah. gave him a chance. Uh, not that we'd ever seen anything like that before in the NFL. No, but never. 
I think he's going to be here a while. And I think that's a really good thing for the Vikings. And I also think that the way they're rebuilding the secondary by throwing numbers at it is a really good idea. So I think they're on their way a little bit, a little, but until we find out for sure where the quarterback situation is going, I can't say that it's a lot. So needle moved for me, but not uh, maybe as far as we were thinking going into this off season. Uh, next question for you guys. Joe Cap passed away. Legendary cool guy. Uh, that's like his thing. Imagine that's your thing. Like that's your legacy. Your legacy was you're a tough, badass, cool guy who got to a Super Bowl once. Not bad. You could do worse than that for NFL legacies. Uh, I want to know who your three coolest Vikings quarterbacks are and the three coolest quarterbacks of your lifetime watching football. Manny. Uh, so I went with, uh, the first one I went with was Randall Cunningham. And the reason why I chose Randall is because it's kind of a, it's kind of a personal thing. Um, I got a chance to meet Randall, uh, in 1998, I went to the season opener against Tampa when Randy Moss took the world by storm and Randall didn't start the game. He wasn't playing yet. Uh, we know how great a season he had that year, but he was still backing up Brad Johnson. And there was the that lounge at the Metrodome that, you know, some of the fans could go to and like all the players would usually go to after the game and, and kind of hang out. And so I went over to, uh, well, first I went over to Chris Carter, asked for an autograph and he just kind of scribbled on a small piece of paper and handed it to me and walked away, which was a 14 year old who loved Chris Carter at the time. That was a little traumatizing, but uh, I digress. Um, <laughs> But a couple of minutes later, I, I went up to Randall and just kind of introduced myself and just said, hey, I'm a big fan. I remember watching you with the Eagles, yada, yada. And, you know, I was kind of nervous because of this traumatic event that I just had with Chris Carter kind of blowing me off. Um, so I was kind of nervous. I just kind of reached out my hand to him a little bit. And he kind of looked at me and he said, said, hey, man, give me some skin, man. And he just kind of gave me a good, like a good, real strong handshake and everything. And and it was great. He was just cool and and polite and nice. And um, uh, it was, uh, it, it was great. And then of course he went on and had a, had a great season that year in 98. Um, so Randall Cunningham uh, is one. Dante Culpepper was the, was another one just because of the, the, the get your roll on touchdown celebration was just, that was just the dopest thing ever. Um, and, uh, and the third guy is, uh, is case Keenum, dude, like case Keenum coming out of nowhere as a backup in 2017 and leading the Vikings to 13 wins aided by a great defense, of course, and having his head coach throw him under the bus every, after every single game and just case Keenum just kept playing, man. Like he just didn't care. He just let it roll off the shoulder and just didn't, it just didn't matter to him. Um, to go out and perform the way he did when nobody saw it coming uh, was really, really impressive. And he was just, just the coolest dude, man. So it's, it's uh, Randall Cunningham, Dante Culpepper, and Case Keenum for me, for Vikings quarterback. How about you, how about you Jonathan? Uh, my first two are the same because Randall Cunningham, that 98 season, was kind of like the first season I can re like fully remember as a kid, as an eight-year-old, growing up watching that season on TV just every every week the Vikings team was just so much fun to watch and he was the quarterback. And that was one of my first uh, true seasons that I can remember from start to finish. That was just so fun to watch. Second one, Dante Culpepper, uh, just as, as you said, the get your roll on the, just the size of him 
as a quarterback, you never really saw that up until Dante played that position. And it was so much fun to see a guy the size of a linebacker just trucking through dudes on the defense when he ran. And then just being able to just launch the ball 70 yards was just incredible to watch. Just throw it to throw it up to Randy and he'll go get it. It was awesome to see that. Uh, for me, my third one, it, it Case Keenum's up there just because that year was fun. Uh, before all of this broke out with Far, I would have said him because that season was so much fun. But now because of what's happened, kind of ruins what just happened or what happened in that season. So the third one's a little bit tricky for me and I'm struggling on the spot to come up with one. I, I love the Case Keenum pick. Um, for some reason, I keep I know his tenure here wasn't that great uh, because it was very short, but Sam Bradford, that game against uh, the Saints in that the 2017 season, that first game when he was just slinging the ball all over U.S. Bank Stadium, and the Saints just, it felt like the Saints couldn't stop him. That was an incredible display, and that, that lives in, in my memory for a very long time, will live in my memory for a very long time, just because that felt like the most confident we've ever seen Sam Bradford in his career. Unfortunately, it just fell apart for him because of injuries, but man, that was, that was such a fun game. And it's, I think it's up there for me uh, to make him one of the cooler quarterbacks in my, my memory anyways. Yeah. I think that um, Sam Bradford probably got in a way like a bad rep uh, I mean, for his whole career because of the injuries, yeah. but also even that year, I remember people using him to compliment Case Keenum, like, well, you know, Bradford never would have done this. Like, no, I think he would have. I, I, yeah. I think that with, with that yeah. talent, with that defense and his comfort in the offense in year two with Pat Shermer, who he knew extremely well, the receivers, and we saw the impact that they had. Uh, he got along really well with uh, Kyle Rudolph. I mean, the offensive line was shockingly competent that year as well. Um, the running game was good, even after Delvin Cook got it. Like, everything went well that year. I think that Sam Bradford also would have been right there, even though he didn't have the scrambling element. A uh, few other selections, though, left on the table. And of course, I agree, Randall Cunningham, an all-time cool quarterback but uh how about jim mcmahon i mean when we're talking legendary cool gentleman in this league that wearing the pete roselle thing on his head when he was with the bears comes to the vikings and just puts up garbage stats and yet found ways to win games get them in the playoffs just doing jim mcmahon things how about indoors visor on gloves <laughs> like all-time great aesthetic all-time great leadership from uh, Jim McMahon cool that he was a Viking and kind of had that opportunity to turn around a season one year he deserves to be in there Teddy Bridgewater cool in like uh you wish he was your neighbor cool kind of way like you're you're getting your mail together and you're like hey Teddy how are you he, that's the kind of cool he was uh, perfect for a guy from Florida. He kind of had a Midwest Minnesota nice to him, um, but also, you know, a competitor, Mike Zimmer obviously hates quarterbacks. And yet for some reason, Teddy Bridgewater was the guy that uh, he really loved. I think the leadership was a, a major, major part of that, um, uh, you know, for Teddy Bridgewater and, and just one of the most popular players. I mean, you will still see out at training camp, all sorts of Teddy Bridgewater jerseys, even now. And I do think there's like a small passive aggressive element to like, see Kirk, you're not what we thought Teddy was going to be. But uh, no, I do think that there was a huge, huge amount of fans who bought into Teddy super fast. He delivered on it in 2015. 
He set them up for a 27-yard field goal, and then something happened, and they didn't go farther in the playoffs. I don't recall exactly what happened. But, uh, no, I mean, so I, I think that those two belong in that conversation. Um, someone might say Joe Webb because there's not too many special teamers who started playoff games. <laughs> That's, I mean, he was pretty cool, right? Um, so there's, yeah, I mean, Favre obviously without considering what's happened since would take the cake as an all time NFL cool quarterback. And I think that in some instances you can separate that and just be like, well, you know, it wasn't that great of a guy or whatever. This is pretty bad. This is very, very bad. I got relatives in Mississippi, man. It's personal. I I guess it drives me crazy, man. It just. They weren't impacted. None of my relatives were impacted by that, but it's just the fact that it just, ugh. yeah. Yeah. I mean, gross. Yeah. Gross. Yeah, just on many, disgusting. Yeah. Many, many levels. Yes, yeah. exactly. And that's not even to mention the other stuff that went on with the, you know, the whole thing. So, you know, I don't think I could call him the coolest and just, but just before, you know, our era of watching football, I mean, Tommy Kramer, anybody who watched football in the eighties, Wade Wilson, I think, was kind of a low-key, cool quarterback. The dude just yeah. threw it down the field. He just let it loose. And I didn't see him as a Viking. I only saw him as a backup quarterback late in his career, like the Raiders or the Cowboys. But when, you know, late in the uh, you know late in the '80s, with him coming in playoff games when Tommy Kramer would be hurt or ineffective, when they used to do that, they just bench quarterbacks. Wade Wilson was pretty freaking cool for the guy to come in off the bench. So, I mean, obviously like Randall Cunningham, that 98 season. And then it's a funny debate to ask whether like Jeff George was cool or just hilarious. <laughs> like, just redi- like Jeff George was just ridiculous. I mean, his everything about him, like the eye black, the face masks that the had backwards been- cap with the Falcons when he's with the Falcons. Yes. I remember that arguing with June Jones on the sideline. I mean, everything, and then just having this unreal year with the Vikings, just like heaving passes to Randy Moss, uh, you know, in the playoffs where they were tripling Randy Moss and he still finds a way to get him a deep touchdown. So there's like a, there's like a little shade of cool there. And yeah, I, I think um, for Kirk Cousins, he kind of has his own little version of that. If it had been more successful, it, if it, this is a fact about Cousins. You, can, you guys can agree with this. If it had been more successful than people would have said that he had his own kind of goofy cool to him. Like, Oh, he was just the yep. dad quarterback who won the super bowl or whatever. If he, if he had gotten them deep in the playoffs, everyone would have said that that, that whole vibe from him was pretty fun and everything else kind of like it was last year. I think we saw that, that it's really just the fact that it hasn't gone farther that it kind of keeps him out of the ranking. Yeah. The, the Kirko chains bit with him wearing the chains on the plane ride back from road games was kind of cool. It was kind of funny. I mean, it's, you know, and it, it's kind of his own like dorky kind of way. And then singing with Kelly Clarkson at the NFL awards thing was kind of funny. And, you know, Kirk's got some personality to him. Just wanted to win a few more games. That's all. <laughs> Just win he's some got, more games, man. He's got strong Midwest dad vibes and it's, it's, it fits here because obviously the Midwest, but yeah, I don't know if, if he wins, if he won a few more games and got the team farther in the playoffs, I think there would be a lot more love for Kirk cousins than there is right now. Uh, no Brooks Bollinger or Todd Bauman on the list. Sorry guys. <laughs> it just uh, needed, need a certain amount of starts to get on that list. So no Kelly Holcomb, no Kelly. Holcomb. <laughs> uh, okay. Well let's uh, let, let's move on to our, to our next question here. 
I sent you guys a list from Mike Clay because list season starts as soon as the draft is over. Usually we got to get through the schedule. Then everybody makes their quarterback lists and debates it. I've had my own rants about quarterback lists and how you should really list the guys who you think are going to actually perform with the best offenses and not just who you think was like good last year and is talented, but that's a whole different rant. Like last year, Jalen Hurts should have been ranked high in the offseason rankings because his supporting cast was great. It was like a thing that was going to happen. Anyway, not the point, not the point. So I sent you guys both this list from Mike Clay of ESPN, ranked all the quarterbacks, and I want you guys to tell me where you think Mike Clay was wrong on this list. And it's on his Twitter if people want to go look at the whole list. So where was Mike Clay wrong about his list of quarterbacks, Manny? So I know that Russell Wilson was really bad last year. It was really bad. Um, I just have a hard time believing that Daniel Jones is better than Russell Wilson. <laughs> like, and we're basing, like, Daniel Jones got paid this offseason. He got his 40-plus million dollar a year contract for based off of one game because he had a really nice game against the worst defense in football in the playoffs against the Vikings, and he got paid. He went into Philadelphia the next week, and he looked like Daniel Jones again. Um, so I, I just have a hard time buying into – and I know he's just one spot ahead of Russell Wilson – on uh on Mike Clay's list but I just kind of feel like Russell Wilson he's he's I don't think he's ever going to be I don't think I don't think he's ever going to get back to the level he was you know four or five years ago but I think with Sean Payton being his head coach now a guy that has experience with having great offenses with great quarterbacks in the past I I feel like there's 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 an opportunity for Russell Wilson to kind of redeem himself a little bit and get back to being at least a competent quarterback with a, with a halfway decent offense. Um, I just, as good a coach as I think Brian Dable is, I think what we saw to Daniel Jones is the best he's going to be. And I think eventually at some point, Brian Dable and the giants are going to have to look for that actual quarterback. That's going to be there long-term. I, I, I just, uh, that, that's kind of the one that stood out to me. I just have a hard time buying into Daniel Jones being ahead of Russell Wilson. I have a hard time believing Jimmy Garoppolo is down at 20 because he's led a team to the Super Bowl and multiple NFC championship games. Like this is a guy who's done it at a high level, despite the injuries, he's done it at a high enough level to lead teams far in the playoffs. And he's below guys like Jared Goff. Yes. Who's gone to a Super Bowl. He's below Derek Carr. He's below Justin Fields who had a good running season. And yeah, he was an exciting, it seemed like, Everything else started building up for him last season, but is he really above a guy who's been to a Super Bowl and came within a couple plays of winning said Super Bowl? Uh, I understand he's on the Raiders and his coach is Josh McDaniels, and it's kind of a joke there. Uh, but I don't think he deserves to be down at number twenty below uh, Jared Goff, Derek Carr, Justin Fields, Matthew Stafford, who looked kind of when he was playing last year didn't look the greatest, and injuries keep getting in Matthew Stafford's way. So who knows what the Rams will be? This year, I just have a hard time buying that one. That one kind of stuck out to me. I think the list is perfect. I'm not even going to comment on it. Um, <laughs> the uh, Yeah, so the Russell Wilson thing is hard because he was so bad last year 
The question is, like, was it Nate Hackett has no idea how to coach? Was it Russell Wilson was trying to play through an injury that restricted him? Uh, was it that he can't run like he used to? And when the mobility is gone, he is not a pocket quarterback because he is shorter than all three of us. I mean, that is a factor <laughs> when you're talking about that guy. Like, he has always overcome that height by being mobile and creating throwing lanes for himself and finding uh, extra time in the pocket to then throw the ball down the field of which he also didn't have great deep receivers. And I don't know that they've really changed that. Like they didn't go out and get a Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf like he had in Seattle. And I think that that helped him quite a bit as his career went along to have those guys who could go deep and make plays on those throws down the field. Um, and you know how much Sean Payton's going to be able to work around that. I don't know that Russell Wilson is like a Drew Brees where he just has this pinpoint accuracy and anticipation and things like that. I don't, I just, I know where you're coming from and I'm not a buyer to the Daniel Jones thing either because it was against the Vikings where he had the two games that earned him the contract and they let Mike White throw the ball over them and they were not good. Uh, I also just want to point out that he included backup quarterbacks in his list just to maybe show us who the team's backups are. And the Cincinnati Bengals backups are Trevor Simeon and Jake Browning, which just made me laugh. Like that's, <laughs> that was the Vikings backup quarterbacks like several years ago. These backups are just everywhere. Here's the one that I want to debate though. Okay. So uh, Deshaun Watson is at nine. I, and my thought was like, oh, I hope not. I hope it's like 27, but I, I want to hear about Aaron Rodgers for your take for this. He is seventh on this list. Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Hurts, Herbert, Jackson, and then Rodgers. So he's ahead of Trevor Lawrence. He's ahead of Dak Prescott, ahead of Kirk, uh, ahead of, I mean, and Jared Goff, honestly, is going to throw the ball all over the place. So I thought Jared Goff was too low on this being uh, 18th. I, I feel like Jared Goff with that offense is still going to put up some pretty darn big numbers. But do you guys believe that Aaron Rodgers can shed off his washedness after, you know, abusing his body with weird tees and locking himself in the dark or whatever for a few years? Like, I know they got weapons, but is he going to be one of the seven best quarterbacks in the NFL next year? I don't know. That that's a that's a tough one because, you know. Two years ago, Aaron Rodgers was great. He was the MVP of the league. And then you go to last year and you started to see some real signs of like slippage that he was really starting to, to kind of decline. And it, it's, I mean, listen, this has happened. We've seen this happen with almost every great quarterback where they get towards the end of their career and they hit that wall where it just, things just kind of really unravel. We even saw it, like you just mentioned Drew Brees a little bit ago. We even kind of saw it in Drew Brees' last year where he couldn't really, didn't really have the same arm strength, couldn't get it down the field like he used to when he was, you know, even like in his early 30s. Um, at some point, that's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. And I wonder if, you know, the Jets are maybe getting him a year too late, perhaps, you know, because if they would have had him instead of Zach Wilson starting games for them last year, you know, maybe they, I, I think they certainly would have made the playoffs. Um but now you just kind of wonder, okay, Aaron's going to turn, he's going to turn 40 in December. And, you know, just because Tom Brady was great at 43, 44 years old, doesn't mean that every quarterback is going to be that when they turn 40. Um, so it'll be interesting to see 
how that kind of plays out. And, you know, the funny thing is we saw Aaron Rodgers kind of decline a little bit last year, and he goes to the Jets, who have some pretty good weapons, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson winning the rookie of the year and everything. But then they go and they, like, sign, like, all his buddies from Green Bay that he had, too. And it's just like, well, are you really expecting things to be different than what they were last year for just getting all the same people that he was throwing to last year? And I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think he's. I think he will be good because he's going to have a, a dang near top rated defense, uh, putting him in really good situations where he didn't really have that last year. He's not going to be expected to have to drive 80 yards every single drive. He's going to be put in really good positions because of the defense that the Jets have. And I think that's going to do him a world of good and uh, not having to shoulder the entire load of the entire team every single game that he can have his poor games every once in a while, but that defense is going to carry them through because of how good it will be. I think they, I think that Jets defense is in line, is going to continue rising up and continue being, or going to continue to be a really good defense next season. And it'll help Aaron Rodgers and that offense out by putting them in good field positions throughout the season. How is, how is the media, how is the New York media going to be with him if the Jets start like 0-2? If the Jets lose like two two yeah. really close games to start the season and he, you know, throws a pick that costs them or something in one of the games, what are those post-game conversations going to be like with Aaron Rodgers? Because it's, it's a little different in Green Bay. I mean, you're the big, you're a big fish in a small pond in Green Bay. The New York media is a little bit different, Aaron. Yeah, I'm I'm of two minds on this because I kind of have a don't doubt the legends rule, like not until they're retired because we've done this too many times. We thought Rodgers looked a little washed in like 2018 and then won two MVPs after that. We thought Brady looked washed at the end in New England, like, oh, what's Tampa Bay really getting in Brady? Oh, a Super Bowl champion. I don't know. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you know, we've seen enough guy Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning's neck was held on by tape and glue, and the guy still led a uh, top offense and then found his way to like, right. They, they the Jets, been, yeah. There's been a lot of these resurgences that I don't want to doubt. Here's the other thing, too. Rodgers actually showing up at offseason stuff is just, the Packers have to be like the LeBron J.R. Uh, Smith meme, just like, what? Like, what, what are you showing up at? <laughs> off-season stuff for he like cut his hair he looks healthier I don't know maybe he's gonna be good but I think by all logical purposes uh putting my legends rule aside I don't know it feels like they're chasing last year a little like defenses are volatile I I agree Jonathan they have a lot of talent sauce Gardner's fantastic but oftentimes we saw this like just how the Vikings chased the 2017 defense the next year it was good but not great and then everything kind of changed and the AFC just has so many freaking good quarterbacks. Like, could you be a good team and win eight games in the AFC because it's just a monster? Of course you could. So I don't know. I I, I saw him not making some plays that he did make in the past, uh, even a year before. So it might depend on just how much he's actually dedicated because the guy didn't start playing till halfway through the season last year. And I think that a full training camp, full OTA mini camp, it's probably going to make a pretty big difference, but I think that's a really interesting one. Last thing about this quarterback list, everybody at the bottom. So you have like Sam Howell, Baker Mayfield, Desmond Ritter, Jordan Love, Mac Jones. Uh, obviously the rookies have to be toward the bottom. Kenny Pickett is in there. Who from the bottom of the list won't be at the bottom of the list by the end of the year? 
Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Mac Jones will be better. I think almost by default because <laughs> Matt Patricia is not going to be calling yes. games anymore. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how much better Mac Jones can get. I mean, I don't know what they did as far as getting weapons in the offseason for him because they didn't really have great weapons for him last year. But also, I mean, Matt Patricia is just an idiot. I can't even believe that Bill Belichick had him as kind of the de facto offensive coordinator last year. It was just mind boggling. Uh, so I think Mac Jones, I could see Mac Jones being a little bit better just almost by default. I could see Bryce Young being better than 25 just because of what they put around him and the fact that of some of the guys that are above him, you got Kenny Pickett above him at 23. He was drafted last year. Are we really going to say that just because he's had a year of experience in the NFL, he's going to be that much better than the guy who certainly would have been drafted ahead of him had Bryce Young come out last year? Like, I don't know that I believe that. I think Bryce Young will just rise up by default just by being better than some of the guys ahead of him, like Brock Purdy, uh, Kenny Pickett, as I said, Kyler Murray, Ryan Tannehill, who looked kind of washed last year. Is he really going to be better than CJ Stroud? I don't, or better than Brock or Bryce Young? I don't think so. I think Bryce Young is going to move up pretty quickly throughout this this season. Yeah, I think that that is uh, possibly true. And I'm trying to put the list on the screen here. So give me a a second. Uh, That's not quite the best way to do it. There it is. So there's, uh, if people can see it on YouTube, most of the list that I've tried to put on the screen on Twitter uh, and didn't like accidentally open up my DMs or something on here. Uh, (laughs) But uh, so I think that... Uh, toward the bottom of the list that actually Kenny Pickett is the guy with the best chance because Kenny Pickett is going into his second year, which we have often seen work for these quarterbacks, even guys that we've decided, like think about Joe Burrow, even going into year two, Joe Burrow had a lot of doubts. Like, does he have the good enough arm strength and, you know, things like that. And then he took off because they were able to put together a lot around him. And I think that, you know, George Pickens, they've got some good receivers there, maybe building up their offensive line that Kenny Pickett could take that big step forward of all the rookies. Yeah. Bryce Young would be your natural pick. Um, but, you know, like for some reason, I, I don't know why, for some reason, I'm going to take this down now. Uh, everybody got it. Everybody see it. Okay. So, um, but for some reason, the Washington football team is really into Sam Howell. We don't know why. And and look, he was kind of interesting coming out in the draft. Nobody wanted him, but the guy's got an arm. He runs pretty well. Like, I don't know. For some reason, they're really into him. And this happened with Russell Wilson early in his career. I'm not saying it's going to be exactly like this. But when Matt Flynn got signed for Seattle and then Wilson won the job, there was a lot of like, really? Their third rounder like won the job? That's weird. And uh, I trust no, do I trust them more than Atlanta? I trust neither Atlanta or him, but they're both going with those third round picks or, or third rounder and fifth rounder, late round picks. One of them probably turns out to be pretty good, Ritter or Howell, and I'm not sure which one, and it definitely could be neither. So, uh, but but I think I think Kenny Pickett's got a chance, and for some reason, Mike Tomlin always finds a way to win. There were games last year where Kenny Pickett was showing some kind of baller nature where he was winning games, even if it was a little gnarly, that Maybe. Ravens game, man. That play he yeah. made at the Ravens game at the end, huge, massive. I mean, so there, there might be something there. Uh, okay, final question for time purposes. 
Uh, Manny's got another sushi date or something. He's got to get to, I don't know. Um, but uh, so the schedule is coming out on Thursday. And uh, there's always a big night of like, what, they three games or something in the first night. But just give me your one. Give me your one opening night game, not the Super Bowl matchup maybe, because that's too obvious. Let's just say not the Super Bowl matchup because they always do that. What if you could just make one game, if you could call Raj and say, Raj, this is the game I want to see on opening night, who would it be? Want me to go first? Sure. Um, give me, give me another round of of uh, Burrow versus Mahomes, man. I know the Chiefs and Bengals are supposed to play again uh, this coming season. Give me that again. Every time they match up, every time the Chiefs and Bengals play, it's always just a terrific game. Uh, sign me up, and and I think it would make some sense with the Chiefs being the defending Super Bowl champs, hosting you know hosting that Thursday night game. Uh, to start the year, it, I think it makes all the sense in the world to to uh, give us another Burrow versus Mahomes matchup to start the year. Burrow Not Mahomes. Argue with that. Not yeah. gonna argue with that. Can't argue with that. My pick would be the Chargers and the Chiefs because every time those two teams play, like you said, Manny, with the Bengals, they those two teams light up the scoreboard. I don't know what it is about Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes, but when those two get together on the football field, it is electric. It is fun to watch. Give me that matchup, especially because it's an interdivisional rivalry. Give me that matchup on the opening night of the NFL season. I will go with uh, Philly, San Francisco. Let's see him play it with a healthy quarterback. Now, I don't know if Brock Purdy is going to be healthy. So if it's Hurts versus Sam Darnold, maybe that's a little less inspiring. Uh, but it could be Trey Lance. So let, let's just see him with a quarterback, just in general. Uh, and not talking about you know Kyle Juszczyk potentially playing quarterback. But a rematch there, there was some bad blood. There's a lot of kind of social media chatter going back and forth. The other one that I wouldn't mind seeing, here's, here's, the, here's the battle. I'll give you the most like off the wall, but I can justify it. The battle of teams that are supposed to take the next step. Jacksonville, Detroit, baby. These two <laughs> teams, I'm telling you, these are offenses that have potential to be great teams that are talked about as they like watch out for that team this year. And they're both kind of exciting. I mean, both have good offenses. Trevor Lawrence took a big leap next year, uh, last year toward the end of the season. And if we weren't doing kind of the obvious, here's the most fun teams in the NFL to match up, then uh, I, I would go with that. I want to see Jacksonville bring on. I don't even think they're playing the AFC South this year. Probably not. But if that was a random matchup that I could pick with no rules, that's that's the one I would go with if I'm not doing the like obvious big matchups. Yeah, I I mean I I think Jacksonville especially them getting to the playoffs last year and winning that playoff game coming from behind being down by what was it how much were the Chargers was that thirty to nothing or something like that twenty seven nothing something like that. Um, and then going into Kansas City and and knowing that they were going to be kind of overmatched and just kind of you never really felt like Jacksonville was going to win that game, but they just they kind of hung around and kind of made it kind of interesting. And you know I think Doug Peterson's a pretty good coach. I, I like Jacksonville's going to be uh, I think Jacksonville's going to be fun to watch. Detroit on paper I feel like should be really intriguing. I just, I'm not sure I trust Dan Campbell yet. I just, it just, just kind of a, there's still kind of like this meathead 
you know, persona about him that just I'm not entirely sold on with him. Uh, and I I don't know what the hell they were doing in their draft either. So that kind of has me with my eyebrows raised. But, um, but you know, they're going to be exciting. I, I, I do like what Jacksonville is going to bring to the table, though. I just realized I missed out on the best one for me uh, based off of what we talk about here on the show quite a bit. Chargers and the Dallas Cowboys. Give me that one where Kellen Moore decides he's not going to run the damn ball once. He's going to pass every single play. He's going to run up the score on Mike McCarthy and shove the ball down his throat the entire game by just having Justin Herbert throw it 70 times in that game. Give me that matchup for opening week. Well, and uh, nobody nominated Tennessee, Arizona. I don't know <laughs> what you guys, you guys, uh, are you sure you guys are really NFL experts? I don't know. Can I just say this about the Tennessee Titans too? I've just, I, and I love, I love me some Steve McNair, rest in peace. He was, he was a lot of fun, but ever since they moved to Tennessee, I've just never liked watching the Tennessee Titans play. There's nothing about them that's ever been appealing outside of like that, you know, eight or nine years with Steve McNair. I hate their uniforms. They're always playing like these really bad, low scoring, grinded out old school games. Jeff Fisher was just dull as a doorknob. Just (laughs) the entire and even now with just like Mike Vrabel and they're just they're physical. We're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry and we're going to beat you 16 to 10. It's just Gross. Gross. The stadium is falling apart. They had a fire there that caused the Vikings to have to stop uh, using the dragon. Like they've got, they've got a lot of problems. Uh, It's funny that last year was the first time that they had a losing season since like 2015 or something. And yet it never felt that way. Like they've just never felt relevant to me at all during the Ryan Tannehill era. If you, if it's an, if it's an era, I mean, he's, he's been a decent quarterback for them, but they, it's just, it never mattered. Uh, and except for, like you said, when they had Javon Curse and Steve McNair, and even then they're playing at like Vanderbilt university for a while. And the jerseys have always been a disaster. I mean, it just, I don't know. It looks the, the whole, even the logo looks goofy. The color scheme is oh blue and dark blue. You guys got really creative with that one. It's just not a cool franchise at all. So I agree, but I think that Tennessee and uh, Arizona could be in the running for being the worst teams in the league this year. Tennessee's lost a lot of talent. And if I, if I'm Ryan Tannehill and you just drafted Will Levis, I'm like, can you just trade me somewhere? Like maybe, maybe Washington or Atlanta could bail on their quarterbacks from last year and take Ryan Tannehill or something. Uh, Before we go, I just want to show everyone in a different window that Manny was not intentionally putting his head right up into the window. (laughs) Manny was sitting back away from his computer. It just looked that way. Like it condenses our heads. If we had done it this way, it would have looked like Manny was totally normal, but instead his face was just like eating your face. So, uh, but it, but it wasn't anything you did wrong, Manny. I, I have a new laptop. So this camera, the, the last laptop I had, the camera on, it didn't work. So I was using an external webcam. I just got a new laptop uh, about a week ago and it's, so I'm using the actual camera on this laptop. So it's kind of a new, and it's like right in right 
into my face when it's when it gets uh, zoomed in. So it's a little. I, it's a I little just weird. wanted to let everybody know. I thought it was fine that we got a really close look at you as you gave your takes, <laughs> but I. Uh, I'm like I trying don't... to move my head around too to make sure it's like centered <laughs> because I'd look at it and just be kind of off, and I'm like, oh, let's get this right, straighten up, and everything. I mean, so just, it wasn't it wasn't anything you did though. That's the only point I was trying to make. You're getting roasted a little bit in the comments, like what? Why is Manny coming through my screen or a little? But uh, <laughs> yeah, you're good. So uh, great to get together with you again, Manny. We will uh, hit up a links game when their season starts very soon, as we always do. Jonathan, great stuff as always, and uh, we'll we'll continue this on every Tuesday night here with Hot Routes as we go throughout the summer. We'll have plenty of fun and uh, go forward. So. Thanks guys for doing this and thanks everybody for watching slash listening. We will uh, catch you next time.